favor and your blessing. We ask that you help these young men. We're thankful for them. God, use them, and we pray you'd bless now. We think especially of these many requests. Uh, Lord, some great, great needs. And Lord, uh, we can't do anything without you. And I'm sure even tonight, Lord, there's some unspoken needs in our midst, and I pray you'd help them. I pray you'd meet the needs of finances, the, the needs of health and uh, relationships and so many things. God, would you please help? Meet with us again in the time we have tonight and bless and use these two young men. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good evening. All right, I appreciate the opportunity to preach again today, tonight. I had a quick question for most, probably all you ladies out there. Um, who, who ordered something off of Amazon Prime this week? Raise your hand. Let's see. Oh, you're not a lady. Put your hand down. <laughs> okay, I did see a couple hands. Uh, I just want to say thank you for making my day a back-breaking day today. Um, it's pretty rough. 230 stops. I almost, I called pastor and I told him, uh, I don't know if I'm going to make it tonight. I think you should have a plan B. And he said, well, uh, if you don't make it, then you'll preach last. And well, here I am. So I'm thankful to be here. Um, we're going to be talking about faith today, uh, this evening, uh, about faith. Uh, I've, I've been reading in the book of uh, Job lately. That's not where we're turning in our Bibles, but that's where my Bible happened to fall open. Um, and Job is a great man of faith. Um, uh, he suffered many, many things, and uh, he, uh, he, he was able to go through the things that he suffered, and at the end of it, he had something to show for it. Um, you know, a lot of times we think, uh, you know, what is God doing in this situation, whatever situation we may find ourselves in, and what is he trying to, to, to put forth in our lives uh, what is he trying to make uh, to purify us, uh, to cleanse us? And what is he trying to mold us into as the uh, potter molds the clay? Um, let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into this here tonight. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time where we can gather, uh, hear your word in our hearts and in our lives. I pray you'd calm my nerves. I pray you'd help fill me with your spirit. I pray you would... Uh, Take all the honor and glory for anything that's said and done tonight, and I pray we would leave here better because of what we've heard. And in Jesus' precious and holy name I ask it, amen. Uh, the, so tonight, uh, the, the topic is faith. Uh, take your Bibles with me to Acts uh, 2.42. Acts 2.42. We're going to be kind of uh, in a few different places here. And the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Here, I, I want to talk about the, the thing about faith. In our day and age, there's not a lot of people that are seeking faith. Not a lot of people that have uh, what we believe is a true faith. Um, I think that falls back on part, uh, when, we, when we look at our faith, as Christians, I think one of the things that we see is the, 
uh, apostate church, the church that has slipped away from its first love, uh, the church that, that, that doesn't have the faith that's pure, that's pure religion that God says uh, we should have. Uh, one of those things here uh, that we see is we see there's ungodly men in this world uh, that are trying to pull a Christian or a believer away from their faith. Um, one of the things that, that, that I always struggle with, uh, whether it's at work or whether it's people that I talk to, someone's, if, if they see a Christian, they, they see somebody that should be living a separate and holy lifestyle. Somebody that should have a, a, a distinguished uh, characteristic about them that, that the people, when they see you, they could say that that person is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and I can't help but think it so often, am I that kind of Christian that, that I don't have that Holy Spirit's filling in my life? So when I get approached by ungodly men, that my faith is not as strong as it should be, that if, if they put something out in front of me to offer me a, a temptation to sin, would that be something that I'm indulging in or, or accepting? Or would that be something that, that I say, I, I can't partake in that? Because God has... Has, has, has placed my life in such a way where, where I, I know that Jesus, I know that Jesus is the reason I live my life. I know he is the, the true goal, the, the, the one that I should attain to be most like is Jesus Christ. And I can't help but think it, it, if, if we're ungodly, or if we're around ungodly men, are we going to be influenced in that same way? If, if you're here tonight and you, you say, Justin, I, I don't really know what it is to be a Christian. I, I've heard the term before, but, but I, I, I don't understand what it is. Well, t- tonight you can know the Lord that I know. You can know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He died on the cross 2,000 years ago for your sin and for my sin. I'm, I'm teaching my son, uh, even now at a young age, that Jesus came to die for his sin. And I'll tell him, Jesus died for you. And, and he'll say, Jesus died? Jesus died, Daddy. Jesus died. And I'll say, yeah, Jesus did die. Do you know why he died? And he'll say, Mama's naughty. Daddy's naughty. Indy's naughty. <laughs> Weston's naughty. And when he says that, he recognizes that there's, he doesn't know the term sin, but he recognizes there's something in his life that he's done to offend a holy God. And and each one of us has to come to a place in our life. I I pray every day that he would come to the faith that I know, that, that, that he would come to trust Jesus Christ as his Savior. But at the same time, that that faith can only be can only grow inside of you if you're continuing to practice that faith. And I, I can't help but think, is there times where we're uh, looking to uh, ungodly men to influence us in a negative way? Or, or are we taking our lives and, and living the example for our children and for, for, for those that maybe if you don't have children, those that you come to church with or those that you work with? Are, are we living that lifestyle that shows your faith? Uh, one of the things that they, uh, in, in this day and age, uh, is uh, w- turning grace, the grace of God, and, and it was a beautiful message, two beautiful messages last week preached about grace. 
but turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Today in our day and age, we have blatant immorality. We have shameless sin, flaunting sin publicly. You have people that that will post uh, half just indecent pictures of themselves to try to get some sort of attention. Or you have uh, people sending text messages that they shouldn't be sending or or things that, that, that would allow us to uh, lower our standard, if you will, uh, to, to where God places our standard, where we should have it. Uh, in uh, Galatians 5.13, just turn with me real quick there. <clears throat> For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Here in this day and age where, 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 where Paul was writing to this letter, uh, there was a, a term called uh, Gnosticism. It was taught that the body was essentially evil, that all matter was evil, that the spirit alone was good. And as this, that, this mindset came about, uh, they were thinking that if they sinned with their body, it wasn't really a sin because it's, it's a separation between your spirit and your physical body. And so they were going on with this sin in this culture where they, they were just indulging in, in fleshly sins and sexual sins. And, and, and this, this was a problem, especially because when you come to that point in realization that in order to make your faith strong, your mind has to be right. In this day and age, there, there, there are so many things that are accessible for both men and women that can be a problem for us to, 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 to weaken our faith. If we want to be a church that seeks God, we have to get our lives clean. We have to get our hearts right with the Holy God because that sin will not stand in, the, in, in God's uh, kingdom. That sin will not take place and, and allow you to, to be lifted up or allow your life to show that faith. That sin will not allow God to use us as a church. If we want to go out and preach the gospel, we can't have that kind of sin in our lives. And thirdly, denying the Lord God and in, in our, our love for our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, verse 3, it tells us that, And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we have a a, a culture that thinks that, that if we live in sin, then there's pleasure. But yes, there's pleasure in sin. It's only for a season, the Bible tells us. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That, that you have to understand that your faith is more important than the sin and pleasures this world has to offer. I, I think of the story of Cain and Abel. 
By faith, Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice to the Lord. The, 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 the previous implications of, of the parents of, of Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve showed them the proper steps in taking a, 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 a sacrifice to God that was filled with faith. And you have Abel that brought God the, the sacrifice of a lamb, a perfect lamb without blemish. The picture of our holy Savior that died on the cross for our sins. And then on the other side, you have Cain. Cain decided that he was going to go ahead and bring God the, the very thing that he was able to, to, to possess. That he wanted to bring God what God would not accept. See, in Genesis chapter 3, you'll have to see that, 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 that when Adam and Eve first sinned in the garden, that God showed them the example by sacrificing animals to clothe them. That the world, if we look at the world, their lost faith, it's in a hope of sin, a, a hope of denial. But their lost faith is, is just the same as when Cain came to God and he said, God, here's what I have to offer you. Accept my sin the way it is. And is that not the culture we live in today? Is that not where we find ourselves in this very moment where if I'm a homosexual, then you need to accept me. God would not curse or, or send somebody that has that kind of sin to hell. And I'm not just preaching on that sin because, yes, that's a wicked sin before the sight of God. But so is lying. And so is stealing. And so is committing adultery. Jesus said if you're to look upon a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. And have, dare I say that there's a, not a man in here that's never done that? Where is our faith? Where is it found? On Christ the solid rock I stand. No other ground. Are we standing on the rock? Do we have that foundation? All right, thank you for that, Justin. Uh, open your Bibles, please, to First Chronicles 19. First Chronicles 19. Microphone working? All good? Cool. All right, so as has been mentioned before, we're uh, talking about faith tonight. And I want to talk about faith during times of trials. Faith during times of trials. And there's this really, really great Bible story I came across Really excited to share it with you tonight. And so let's uh, begin reading First Chronicles 19. Now it came to pass after this that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, died, and his son reigned in his stead. And David said, I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. And David sent messengers to comfort him concerning his father. So the servants of David came into the land of the children of Ammon to Hanan to comfort him. But the princes of the children of Ammon said to Hanan, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Are not his servants come unto thee for to search and to overthrow and to spy out the land? 
Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved them and cut off their garments in the midst hard by their buttocks and sent them away. Then there went certain and told David how the men were served, and he sent to meet them. For the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then return. And when the children of Ammon saw that they had made themselves odious to David, Hanan and the children of Ammon sent a thousand talents of silver to hire them chariots and horsemen out of Mesopotamia and out of Syria, Maka, and out of Zobah. So they hired thirty and two thousand chariots and the king of Maka and his people who came and pitched before Mediba, and the children of Ammon gathered themselves together from their cities and came to battle. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the hosts of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array before the gate of the city, and the kings that were come were by themselves in the field. Now when Joab saw that the battle was set against him before and behind, he chose out all the choice of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, and they set themselves in array against the children of Ammon. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity to be in your house tonight, Lord God. I pray that you would move uh, in this place tonight. I pray that you would move me and Justin out of the way and that you would speak through us, Lord God. Pray that uh, you would quiet my nerves, and Lord God, we're so thankful for this opportunity, and thank you for Justin and the message that he gave. Pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So brief, brief recap, the king of Ammon has died. He's perished, and his son is now reigning, and David goes and says, hey, I want to show this new king that there's no problems. I'm not going to try to attack him. I'm not going to do anything. So I'm going to send some men just to show that it's all good. These men go, and the people of Ammon think that these guys are there to spy out the land. Probably a justified, you know, a justified thought that they had. So they kind of um, embarrass them a little. They defile their persons. My mom's in the room, so I'm not going to go into too much details. But they really just embarrass them a lot, so much to the, the point that they don't even want to see the king anymore. And so David, he's like, okay, that's fine. You guys wait at Jericho until it's all good. Now, when the people of Ammon, when they realize that they've really, really messed up, and the Bible says they made themselves odious to David, they didn't try to make it right. They didn't go to them and say, hey, I'm so sorry, total misunderstanding. We thought this, this wasn't what it was. Instead, they kind of go the complete opposite way, and they say, all right, now it's time for war. So they go out, and they, they go to the Syrians, and they hire an army, and they go, and they get this army, and the next thing you know, Israel is surrounded. The Bible says before and behind. They're surrounded by the enemy, and I feel like sometimes in the Christian life, we can kind of feel this way. Obviously, we're not being attacked by the Syrians or the Ammonites. If you are, please leave. But we, we feel like we're just doing like our regular nine, to, like we're just do, going about our day-to-day. We're having our nine-to-fives. We're having the daily struggles of life. We're not doing anything wrong. We're not doing anything evil. We might even be doing some good, you know, in church on a Thursday night. We might be tithing. We might be doing all this stuff, nothing wrong. And the next thing you know, we're surrounded by pressure. And we feel like, what, what did I do to deserve this? I, this, is, this is really, really bad. And when it comes down to it, at the very base, you have two choices. You can either trust in yourself to get out of it, or you can trust in God. Uh, Isaiah 
10.3, the second half of the verse says, to whom will ye flee for help? And where will ye leave your glory? Who do you, tur- who do you turn to for help, yourself or God? What happens in that moment? Honestly, most of the time, I trust in myself. And what ends up happening is I'll try to get rid of this problem over on this side, and I end up splitting it into like three mini problems. One goes away, but now there's two more, and the same thing happens over here. So now I'm surrounded by four smaller problems instead of two. Now I got more to deal with. There's more stress. There's more issues. When all I should have done at the very beginning was just trust God, and I would have avoided the whole thing. So um, Israel is going through this trial, and I want to point out three things in this text that I think can help us as we deal and as we grow our faith during these trials. The first thing is that we need to have an active faith in God, an active faith. Most of the time for the average Christian, we kind of have a passive faith. We're just kind of going day to day. We're just kind of rolling with it. We go to church on Sundays, you know, but we're not going through anything too bad that requires us to be super, you know, super out there. But in order to get through a trial, we, well, not just getting through a trial, we always need to have an act of faith. But during this time, our faith needs to be especially active. There's a very popular Bible verse that kind of shows the the existence of God during these times. It's Proverbs 18.10. You might see it on a, like an Instagram bio, Twitter bio, Facebook. Someone might even have it, you know, tatted on themselves. It's Proverbs 18.10, which says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And pe- people recognize that. And people recognize the name of the Lord being a strong tower. But the second half of that verse says, the righteous runneth to it and is safe. The strong tower doesn't do any good unless you're actively running to it. For example, like, let's say pastor is a strong tower. Let me clarify, I'm not calling pastor the Lord, or I'm not calling pastor Jesus, or anything like that. We've all seen pictures, pictures of Jesus, and he has hair. But, um, but when going through these struggles, let, 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 let's do a right analogy. Let's say Damien's the devil over here. Damien's the devil and he's trying to attack me. It doesn't do me any good to stand right here, right? And I can quote that Bible verse and say that the Lord is a strong tower all I want, but I'm not under protection. It doesn't do any good. I need to actively be running to the strong tower. I'm not going to get too close. He's going to kick me. So the first thing is we need to have an active faith. The second thing, let's continue reading the story for the second part. Um, I'm going to reread verse 11 just to get a little backstory. And the rest of the people he delivered unto the hand of Abishai, his brother, and they set themselves in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will help thee. Be of good courage, and let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the cities of our God, and let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. I read that a little while ago as I was reading through the Bible, and that really stuck out to me. He's surrounded by the enemy, and he says, okay, let the Lord do that which is good. It sounds like he's totally okay with it. Obviously, he's not. He had to be scared out of his mind. But through it all, he says, let the Lord do that which is good. So the the second thing upon analysis of this text that 
will help us, you know, increase our faith is that God doesn't always take the problems away for you. He works through you. Personally speaking, too often times when I'm going through something, I just pray, Lord, if you could just take this away, that'd be great. I've honestly prayed, hey, if I could go back in time like five months so like I could avoid this whole thing, that'd be really cool. Am I the only one who's prayed that? Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> but we pray for a complete avoidance of the problem. Lord, deliver me, like completely take it away. But uh, that doesn't happen. In this story, Israel still had to fight, just as we have to as well. We still have to fight through our trials. Israel still had people, they still had soldiers die. They had, you know, they had soldiers, families were broken up, fathers were lost. They had their casualties, just as we will. And, but through it all, we still need to fight. Uh, this Israelites still had to go to war just as we will as well. So the third and the final thing, as I was reading this, and this really encouraged me, was that you don't have to be a famous man of faith in order to exhibit faith in times of trials. Have you ever been going through something and I, I really don't like this. When you're going through something and you, you open your heart and you tell someone and you're just sharing what you're going through and you're just releasing all of your burdens and they say, oh, Job went through the same thing. You know, they, they bring up something like that and my first thought is, I'm not Job. You know, like you read the Bible, you read all the great men of faith. You read the Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Davids, the Elijahs, the Elishas, all the prophets, Peter walking on water. And that's not me. <laughs> and that does, so that scares me. And um, I feel like I need to be a great man of faith in order to go through trials, but that's not the case. And if you read the story, this is Joab showing this. Now, Joab He's not mentioned past this. He was a great man for sure, for sure. He was a general in David's army, but he's not mentioned past David's reign. During the times of, you know, the Babylonian captivity, the minor prophets, they don't exalt Joab as a great hero. God doesn't say anything about this time of faith in, you know, when Israel was surrounded. He doesn't mention it in the Gospels. The epistles, the you know, the apostles, they don't mention it either. It's only in this section. But we read in this, this great moment of faith by a man who undoubted, you know, undoubtedly is kind of a background character. You know, you get through a lot. If you think of like all the major Bible characters, there's like the top tier, right? And then there's like another tier. Like two tiers down is Joab. He's really not mentioned. And you read through the Bible, which is a great thing to do. But you read about him. Okay, cool. He was, he was a general. That's about it. But here we have a background character showing us that normal people, too, can have great moments of faith. So let's uh, finish the story just to see what happens when we have faith in God in times of trials instead of ourselves Picking up in uh, verse 13, I'll read that again just because it's really awesome. Be of good courage and let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the cities of our God and let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. 
So Joab and the people that were with him drew nigh before the Syrians unto, unto the battle, and they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, they likewise fled before Abishai, his brother, and entered into the city. Then Joab came to Jerusalem. Further on, if you keep reading, it's not just the battle that they won. Like, they went on to completely demolish them. David got involved. He beat them all the way back completely. But because they trusted God in this moment, and he had the faith to be able to say, let the Lord do that which is good. We didn't do anything wrong. We tried to show that, you know, we were friendly, and it just didn't happen. Okay, cool. Let the Lord do that which is good. So the challenge I wanted to give tonight is that we have a tendency to fix our trials ourselves. But I charge you tonight, do not try to fix the situation by yourself. Trust God to do that which is good, that he may be glorified as he works in your lives as you have your faith in times of trials.